today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If I stand up here and speak in tongues, don't worry, I'm not going to. But if I stand up here and speak in tongues, what I say in an unknown tongue, it may glorify God and may be wonderfully edifying, but because it's in a language you don't understand and a language I don't understand, you have no idea what I'm saying. And so it's no profit to you. When you overhear some people speaking in Chinese, you can appreciate such a different sounding language, but you have no clue what they're saying. So it doesn't really help you out in communicating with those people because you're excluded in the language sense. Now, think of a special spiritual language that's spoken, but you still don't understand it. It really does you no good. Today, Pastor Dan speaks about the benefits of having the gift of tongues and where it's most useful to express it. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Chapter 12, verse 29, Paul asks this rhetorical question or a series of rhetorical questions. He says, are all apostles? And the obvious answer is no. Are all prophets? Again, the obvious answer is no. Are all teachers? Does everybody in the body of Christ have the gift of teaching? No. Are all workers of miracles? Does everybody have the the gift of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? And the the obvious answer is no. Not everyone is given the gift of tongues. Now, there are some churches today that teach that the gift of tongues is the evidence of salvation, or that the gift of tongues is the proof of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But that's not biblical. Not everyone is given the gift of tongues. And that that kind of teaching puts a lot of pressure on a person. If you're in that denomination, it puts a lot of pressure on that person to speak in tongues. If they're told that it's a sign of salvation, or if they're told it's it's the sign that shows that you've been filled with the Spirit or baptized with the Spirit, and if they don't have the gift of tongues, uh, that, that can make a person feel very confused, They may think, well, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I don't have the baptism. Maybe I haven't been filled with the Spirit. And that can lead to all kinds of doubt and confusion and self-condemnation in that person. And that person in that situation can begin to think, well, maybe I have some sin in my life that is preventing me from receiving the gift of tongues. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. Listen. The gift of tongues is a gift given by the Spirit. We don't don't have that struggle about the other gifts of the Spirit, do we? You you don't ever wrestle with, why hasn't God given me the gift of miracles? Or why hasn't God given me the gift of giving? Or why hasn't God given me the gift of mercy? It's only with this one gift that people have that kind of thing going on. 
It is a gift given by the Spirit to some believers as he wills. Just like all the other gifts, it's as he wills. And that's important for us to, to understand. Now, regarding the, gifts, the gift of tongues, there are at least nine passages in the New Testament that speak about the gift of tongues. Nine passages. Jesus spoke about believers speaking in new tongues in Mark chapter 16. So Jesus talked about it. We see the gift of tongues manifested in the book of Acts. And Paul explained the gift of tongues here in 1 Corinthians. So the gift of tongues has a very solid biblical foundation. Jesus spoke of it. The disciples experienced it in Acts. And Paul expounded on it in the epistles. That's a very firm foundation biblically. So what is the gift of tongues? Let me just give you a definition. The gift of tongues is a Holy Spirit-inspired ability to pray, praise, or speak to God in an unknown language. The gift of tongues is a Holy Spirit-inspired ability to pray, praise, or speak to God in an unknown language. Tongues is a language. It's unknown to the person with the gift, to the person speaking, but it is a language. Uh, it's, it's not gibberish. It's not babble. It's not just made up sounds, although it may sound like gibberish to those hearing it, but it's an actual language. In fact, the, the word tongues, the Greek word, just it means languages. It means languages. So we're talking about speaking in languages. So now look at verse 2, and this is an important verse. Look at verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. This is so important for us understanding this gift. He who speaks in tongues or in an unknown language, this gift, the supernatural gift from the Holy Spirit, he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. You should underline that in your Bible and underline it in the Bible of the guy sitting next to you also. <laughs> tongues, listen, tongues, when a person has the gift of tongues and they speak in tongues, it is always directed to God. And not to people. The gift of tongues is not for communicating to people. It is for communicating to God. It's not for communicating on the horizontal person to person. It's for communicating on the vertical to God. In Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples. They spoke in different tongues on Pentecost. The crowd that was there in Jerusalem they overheard the disciples speaking in their own languages. But the disciples were not speaking to the people in the crowd. They weren't preaching the gospel in different languages to the crowd. They were speaking to God. How do we know? Acts chapter 2, verse 11. If you're taking notes, Acts chapter 2, verse 11. The crowd heard the disciples speaking of the wonderful works of God. So the crowd overheard the disciples just praising God. Speaking of the wonderful works of God, praising God. 
Then, if you remember Acts chapter 2, then Peter stood up and he preached the gospel to the crowd in a language that everyone there understood. English, right? Isn't that what Peter preached? No. He preached in Greek, the common language of the day. Peter preached in a known language. When he was communicating to the people, he spoke in a known language. In Acts chapter 10, verse 46, Acts 10, 46, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the people in the house of Cornelius, the centurion, and they began to speak in tongues, it says they spoke in tongues and magnified God. It was directed upward, heavenward. It was directed to God. Again, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. That's very plain in verse 2, isn't it? It's very plain here. He does not speak to men, but to God. Tongues is not for person-to-person communication. It's communication to God. And it communicates praise or prayer to God. Now, some of you may have been in a church setting before. Uh, if, you've, if you come from maybe a more Pentecostal background, uh, where somebody gave an utterance in tongues, uh, and then someone gave the interpretation of that tongue, and the interpretation was a message to the congregation. If my people who are called by my name, that was not the interpretation. That was not the, because, because tongues is always directed toward God. It's not a message to the congregation. It's not a message to people. It's always communicated to God. Uh, I, I've seen on, online church, uh, church service, one in particular that I'm thinking of, where uh, two people in the congregation communicated with each other in tongues. And they talked back and forth in an unknown tongue with each, and had like a conversation. In t- That's not the Holy Spirit doing that. That's not the Holy Spirit. Because when it's the gift of tongues, it's, it's communication upward. It's communication to God. It's not to man. That was not the Holy Spirit. That was either those two people showing off to try to impress the congregation, or that was demonic. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues is always heavenward. Look down at verse 16. Look down at verse 16. He says, again, he's speaking about the gift of tongues. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, you can underline that, bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks? You can underline that, giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say. We'll get to that verse in a couple minutes. But notice, bless with the Spirit and giving of thanks. What is tongues? It's, it's blessing God with your spirit or praising God with your spirit, and the giving of thanks to God with your spirit. Now, here, here's the purpose of the gift of tongues. Sometimes we can come to the place where we are filled with so much, so much thanksgiving to God, or so much praise that we can express our praise with words. Or sometimes we can be so overwhelmed by life or so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we don't know what to pray. 
We, we don't even know where to begin to pray. And we can't express our needs with words. Often on a Sunday morning, a person will come up after service for prayer and they are so undone by their situation that they can't even articulate with words what their prayer need is. And maybe you, you have been there before where I'll have people come up and they don't even know what to say or where to begin or try to explain what the need is. And they'll just kind of stammer for a couple minutes trying to articulate what is going on. And I'll finally just say, you know what? The Lord knows what your need is. Let's just pray together. Right? But so sometimes in life, we're just so overwhelmed. We don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray. We don't even know where to start. And it's in those times when you are overwhelmed with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord or overwhelmed by your circumstances that you don't know what to pray. You don't have the words. That's when the gift of tongues is useful and a blessing because your spirit prays. Your spirit prays and bypasses the limitations of your thoughts and the limitations of your words and gives you a freedom to pray or a freedom to express your gratitude to the Lord without the limitation of your mind, without the limitation of your words. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Now look at verse 3. But he who prophesies, speaks forth the word of God, speaks, look, edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Prophecy or speaking forth the word of God. Again, we're talking about in the congregation, in the church gathering. It edifies the church. It builds up the church and strengthens the church. Tongues, on the other hand, edifies only the person with the gift of tongues. So the gift of tongues is good for personal edification. Personal edification, but it does not edify the church. It does not edify the church. It does not edify other believers. The gift of tongues is the only gift of the spirit that is for personal edification and not for the edification of the church body. Now, look at verse 5. In verse 5, Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Paul's not against tongues. He's not against tongues. He's not saying speaking in tongues is bad. He just wants us to have a proper understanding of the purpose and use of the gift of tongues in the church. He says, I, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Did you know the Apostle Paul wishes you spoke with tongues? How do you feel about that? 
Now, why? Why does he wish that we all spoke with tongues? Because speaking in tongues or praying in tongues provides personal edification. So he says, I wish you all the gift of tongues for the benefit of personal edification that comes from the gift of tongues. But look at verse 5. He says, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Speaking in tongues does not edify the church unless there is someone with the gift of interpretation, also listed as one of the gifts of the Spirit, who is there that can interpret what was said in the unknown tongue. But if if someone speaks in an unknown tongue in the church, in the congregation, when you're gathered together and there's no one to interpret, well, then the church is not edified. The church is not strengthened or built up by that. And Paul explains why in verse six, he says, but now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching? Again, Paul is talking about when the church is gathered together corporately. And here's the logic of what Paul says. You cannot be edified if you do not understand what is said. So, for example, uh, if I stand up here and speak in tongues, don't worry, I'm not going to. But if I stand up here and speak in tongues, what I say in an unknown tongue It may glorify God and may be wonderfully edifying, but because it's in a language you don't understand and a language I don't understand, you have no idea what I'm saying. And so it's no profit to you. He he says, look again, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching? It's only going to profit you if I speak to you in a language that you understand. In our case, English. Again, his concern is the building up of the the church. The edification of the church. And when the church is gathered, we need to communicate in a way that edifies the church. That everyone understands so that everyone is edified. Look at verse 7. He gives us an example now, an illustration. Everything without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Even with musical instruments, he says, there there must be a distinction in the sounds for people to understand what's being played. He goes on in verse 9 to say, So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. When the church is gathered together, unless what is spoken is spoken in a language that is easy for everyone to understand, no one will know what is said, and you might as well be speaking in the air if you're speaking in an unknown tongue. Because nobody's tracking with you. Nobody's understanding what you're saying. Maybe some of you aren't tracking with me right now. I'm speaking English. I don't know what else to do. Now look at verse 10. There, may, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Again, a person with the gift of tongues speaks to God and not to people, and they speak in a real language. That's what he's getting at here in verse 10. A human language. Now it may be an obscure language, but it's a real language. A language they don't know. 
Uh, Some believe it may even include an angelic language because of back in in chapter 13, verse 1, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, so it may be angelic languages as as well, but there are human languages that are given as a gift. Therefore, verse 11, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. If I don't know the meaning, I don't understand what's being said. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Paul says you're zealous for spiritual gifts. That's a good thing. But excel in edifying the church. That should be your focus when we are talking about the gifts of the spirit. The edification of the church. Speaking in a known language in the church gathering is edifying. Speaking in an unknown language, the gift of tongues, even though what you're saying may be glorifying God, no one understands what you're saying. Now, verse 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret or give the meaning in the language that everyone understands. For if I pray in a tongue, notice my spirit prays but my understanding is unfruitful. When a person prays in tongues, their spirit prays. So I'm not praying with my intellect. I'm not praying with my, you know, with my knowledge, my own understanding. My spirit prays. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. My spirit prays, Paul says, but my understanding is unfruitful. Paul says, I I don't understand what I'm saying when I pray in tongues. I don't understand the words I'm speaking, but my spirit prays on my behalf, and I'm edified in the spirit, even though I don't understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. So then what is the conclusion? Verse 15, I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. And I will also sing with the understanding. Notice Paul even sang in the spirit. He didn't just speak in tongues. He sang in tongues. And and Paul's point here is there are times when it is appropriate to pray and sing in the spirit. And there are times when it's appropriate to pray and sing with understanding. When we are in the public assembly, the gathered, gathered together with the church, Uh, We should pray and sing with understanding so that the body of Christ is edified. But if I'm, you know, uh, alone in my personal devotional time or uh, if I'm with maybe a small group of believers that I know very well, uh, then it would be appropriate to pray and sing in the spirit, not the public assembly of the church, unless there's an interpreter there who can interpret. He asked me how I If you're looking for a book that could inspire an end-of-the-world fame, Joel is the place to start. This book details what's called the Day of the Lord. Many fearful things are mentioned in this book, which is a prophecy of what's to come. Why does this book matter? Well, it's a reminder that God will judge the world and the people in it for unrepentant sin. 
But the positive side of this is that God wants to clean things up so he can make things new. Just like dirty laundry requires washing and even bleaching to get things clean, God will do a similar thing with the world, ridding it of sin. If you're puzzled by what you've heard today or are simply concerned by this book, we'd be happy to talk with you and help your understanding of what's written in the Bible. The number you can reach us at is 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you as you listen to this series in the book of Joel. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. Pastor Dan will continue teaching through the book of Joel next time. But if you'd like to hear additional messages from this series, you can find them at calvaryec.com under the media tab. We're so glad you took the time to tune in to today's teaching, and we hope you'll continue to be a part of our listening audience here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize 